Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. Well, good morning, Mercy Church. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope that you enjoyed uh, some good old turkey. As some of y'all know, I'm from Texas, and so I like my turkey smoked. Um, so yeah, we're just glad that that you had a wonderful uh, Thanksgiving. And so um, I'm glad to be before you today. For those that don't know, my name is Pastor Richard. Um, I oversee our, uh, I'm a campus pastor, but I'm also the pastor of, of equipping. And so before we dive into our text this morning, I just want to pray. I want to pray and ask for God to move on our behalf. Because y'all, we need God daily. And so as I preach, I am a broken vessel who cannot present God's word in my own merit. And so will you join me in prayer? Uh, Father, we thank you. We thank you that weekly we can gather around your word together as your saints to hear what you have for us. Lord, I pray this morning, Father, that your word would encourage us, that it would correct us, that it would rebuke us, that it would train us for righteousness. So, Father, move through us right now. Father, I don't want to go unless you go before me. So I ask that you would go before me right now. So we love you. In Christ's holy name we pray, amen. Amen. Well, uh, can I start by sharing a story with you? Well, four years ago, I was diagnosed with diabetes. And y'all, for those that know me, this was a death sentence hearing that I have diabetes. You know, from, from the age of 12, I've been wrestling with high blood pressure. I've been taking medicine, going to all kinds of doctors to figure out why and how I can get rid of my high blood, blood pressure, but it kept coming. And so I exercised. I did all of these things to fight off the impending disease that my family had, diabetes, but it came. And so when I heard the news from the doctor, Richard, you have diabetes, I was shook. You know, my pops, he also had it. So did my uncle, so did my grandmother, so did my entire family. So when I, I heard it, I was moved. Why? Because most of them are, are no longer here. So when I got the news of the double whammy, you've already got high blood pressure, but now you have diabetes. I was rocked. You see, as I share my story, as I share about, about what happened to me, y'all, I was upset. 
I was mad at God. In fact, I was angry that I refused to open his Bible. So today, I want to talk to you. Maybe you found out recently some shocking news, and like me, you responded in frustration and anger. Or maybe, perhaps, maybe it's not a disease. Maybe you've been waiting for um, a spouse your entire life. You know, you did all the right things. You went to college. You got the right, the right job. You, you, you go to church. You, you even understand discipleship. But you still go home to an empty house with no spouse. Or maybe you've been trying to get pregnant and you keep hitting wall after wall, miscarriage after miscarriage. How do you trust God through this? How do we trust God? How do we trust God when we've been waiting for a child? For numerous of years, how do we trust God when all things seem hopeless and we don't know our next step? How do we trust God? How do we trust God when there seems like the unjust never get punished? How do we trust God? As I just describe that, describe those experiences, maybe you're on the other end of the thing. You think right now life is good. Unlike those who are suffering, those who are in pain, you got life all figured out. Now, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that there's nothing wrong to have your ducks in, in a row. But my question for you to the question, how do you trust God? I want to ask you, right now, are you managing your life rather than guiding your life under God's will? I want you to consider, are you trusting God? You see, that is the title for our, our, for our message today. It is trusting God. As, as a definition, trusting God means believing God knows better and that he wants better than what we know and want for our life. I'm, I'm going I'm to say that again because I need this to kind of sink into us. Trusting God means believing God knows better and God wants better than what we know and want for our, li- for our life. Last week, Pastor Spence um, um, showed us that, um, that Mary and Elizabeth, um, they were told that they were going to become pregnant. They were untimed pregnancies, and, and both of those pregnancies were going to bring a lot of turmoil, a lot of pain, a lot of confusion. God interrupted their lives. And so he, he exhorted us, um, um, what he saw from the text is that though there are a lot of uncertainty in life, we can still hold on. Um, to hope because hope is here. He, he, says, he says, hope is a certainty that the, that the best reality is yet to come. But how do we do that inside the right now? How do we trust God in the right now? And so with that, I want us to be looked, we're going to be inside Luke 1, 39 through, through 45. So if you would, just turn um, your your Bible to um, that passage. And we're going to see both Mary and Elizabeth, the how that they responded to God. So I'm just going to give you a heads up of what we're going to be with our our time today. We're going to walk through the the passage. I'm going to show you what the text is saying. I'm going to talk about why do we struggle to trust God. And then I'm going to give us some four ways of how we can actively trust God. 
God. But before we dive in, I do recognize that the phrase trusting God has been thrown out a lot. I realize that some of us have experienced some life-altering trauma, and you have been abused by this phrase. And my hope today is as we talk about trusting God, that you would be, be wooed by him this morning, that, that, that you would understand him in a deeper way. My, my prayer is that you would trust God. With that in mind, let's look at verse 39. It says, In those days, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. And so, as we learned before, the angel Gabriel went to Mary and told her, he said, hey, you are about to have a child, but, but guess what? Your cousin Elizabeth, she is pregnant too. In fact, she is six months pregnant. And so when Mary heard that, she immediately rushed to go see her. And the text said that she, she hurried over to Judah. And so if you're unfamiliar with the geography in the Bible, to which I wasn't either, and so I had to look it up, Mary, an unwed pregnant Jewish girl, um, she had to rush through mountains, mountains that looked like Asheville, and traveling in 100-degree heat for about 70 to 100 miles to go see Elizabeth. Why would she do that? Was she motivated by doubt? That could be part of it. But there's a mixture here of excitement and confusion for Mary. The, the implication from Mary right here is huge. There was so much at stake for her that she had to go see what God presented to her. Mary trusted God. Verse 41. When Elizabeth heard Mary greeting, the baby leaped inside of her. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Y'all, we have to consider the weightiness of this interaction. These two women right here were ecstatic they were ecstatic. Elizabeth has been waiting for forever to get pregnant, and now she is pregnant. And, and Mary's excited because Elizabeth's excited. Even though Mary is confused about her pregnancy, right? She's going to be birth, give birth to the King Jesus, you know, without having relations with a man. That's a little bit un unnerving. But the text says that the baby inside Elizabeth's stomach leaped for joy. Y'all, this is crazy. In Luke 1.15, uh, we heard that the angel Gabriel told Zechariah that his son, John the Baptist, would be filled with the Holy Spirit inside his mother's womb, and he would give a testimony about Christ. And so here, right now, John, in the womb of Elizabeth, is giving testimony to Jesus. Y'all, a prophecy is being fulfilled right before them. The text says that John the Baptist, that he would come in the spirit and the power of Elijah, and that he would give a testimony to Jesus as according to, to Luke 1.17. Y'all, God can be trusted. He fulfilled his word right before Mary and Elizabeth. But family, we cannot let this interaction between these two women pass us by. You see, the interaction of these two women's wombs counteract the, the wrestling of Rachel's womb with Jacob and Esau. 
You see, unlike Esau, who was jealous of Jacob because he received the blessing, John the Baptist, filled with the Holy Spirit, was weeping, and, and I mean, leaping and rejoicing with joy because the Messiah was present before him. Y'all, this is crazy. So what did Elizabeth do? Verse 42. Then she explained with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and your child will be blessed. How could this be to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For you see, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped for joy inside of me. There's a first few things to see here. First, when Elizabeth had that encounterment with Mary, she worshiped. The text says she explained with a loud cry. She worshiped. But something else to notice here is that Mary did not announce to Elizabeth that she was pregnant. The text did not say that. So, so how do we know that, that how, did, how did Elizabeth find out that Mary was pregnant? The text says she was filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, being filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth can recognize God at work. Not only can, can, did she recognize God at work, but she was able to bless her sister in the faith of God working through her. So Elizabeth blesses Mary. And within this blessing, she asks a critical question. She, she says, she says, how could it happen the mother of Jesus would come to her? In other words, she is asking, why should the woman in a higher status come to the one in lower status? Y'all, there, there is some, some, some irony here. Because Elizabeth is actually the one that is in higher status. She is a married older woman. And Mary is an unmarried young girl. Mary should be the, be the one of lower status, but Elizabeth, being filled with the, with the Holy Spirit, recognized her place in God's cause of redemption. Filled with the Holy Spirit, she took the posture of humility over envy. She placed herself within God's plan. But we got another something else here. Elizabeth called Mary the mother of her Lord. Y'all, Elizabeth's been waiting on God her entire life. She's been, she's, she's been waiting for a child, but she could not have a child. She could have said, God, how dare you uh, impregnate uh, Mary before me? She, she could have done anything. But she responded by calling Mary Jesus inside her belly, her Lord. You see, right now, y'all, it is hard to trust God. It is hard to trust God if we do not see Jesus as our Lord. Because, because whenever he is Lord, we are able to submit ourselves to his loving rule in our, our lives. But the problem for many of us right now is that we primarily uh, only see Jesus as our provider. We, we see him as, a, as our spiritual sugar daddy, you know, just, just giving us to what we, what we want, when we want it, and how we want it. 
But to be clear here, I'm not saying that God does not provide. God does tend to the needs of his children. He gives us what we need, but he gives according based upon his will and not our own. So whenever we see God a Lord of our life, we're able to submit to him and trust him at his word. So if that's true for us, let's see how Elizabeth responded. Verse 45, it says, Blessed is she who believed the Lord will fulfill what he has spoken to her. Mm. So here, Elizabeth is giving the blessing to Mary that Zechariah, what we learned last, last time, that Zechariah's muteness prevented him from giving due to his unbelief. Mary believed God at his word, and it was a testimony to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth, rejoicing at the faith of Mary, blessed Mary. Y'all, this word blessed here means, means happy. So in other words, Elizabeth is telling Mary, he, he says, happy is she who believes that the Lord will fulfill what he has spoken to her. Here, Elizabeth is acknowledging and praising God because Mary found joy and trust in God despite the uncertainty about her future. Y'all, Mary's faith right here is giving us a condemnation to where true happiness is to be found. That is in God. True happiness is not in your circumstances. Joy is, is, not, is not whenever good things happen to you. Joy is when the Lord comes to you. You see, Mary's story here is contrasted to Zechariah's story in his jaded heart. You, you see, the scripture says that, that, that Zechariah, he was a righteous and a godly man, but he failed to believe God at his word. Um, but contrasted to Mary, although she has some doubt about God, she trusted him. You see, Zechariah asked God for more evidence while Mary asked for an explanation. You see, Zechariah says that he can't be sure about God's plan while Mary says, can you help me understand your plan? You see, Zechariah tells God that you can't do this while Mary says, how are you going to do this? You see, Zechariah's jadedness came through many trials, through many pain, through much frustration, through confusion about his and his wife's childlessness. But we see Mary responded differently. She had a crazy, shocking message. Young girl who got pregnant, walking around. That, that is not kosher inside Jew, Jewish, Jewish uh, culture. In fact, in our, our culture, we put shame upon people who, who get married out at a wedlock. And their culture had a whole lot more, more shame than, than ours. But she trusted God despite she was going to be isolated from her family. She trusted God even though people were going to misunderstand her. She trusted God that even some of her friends might get jealous of her because she became pregnant. You see, Mary believed God. So what we can take from this, from this story is that we can believe God despite the uncertainty. Mary and Elizabeth both believed God and knew God's plan for life was better and knew um, than what they wanted for their own lives. So if that's true of Mary and Elizabeth, and they are a testimony to us about trusting God, the question I want to tackle is why do we struggle trusting God? 
And I, I got some, some reasons for us. Reason number one, we put reason over faith. Now, hear me out. I know we got a lot of smart people here. And, and we, and, you know, you affirm science, so do, so do I, unless it's, it's the virus. But what I am saying here is that faith and reason do not have their place. Um, what I'm saying is faith and do, um, they, they do have their proper place. But I think God gives us reason to help us solidify our faith, not the opposite. We use reason most of the time not to have faith. We use all, all, of our, all of our logic, all of the books, all of the things. We go to so many other things rather than trusting God. Number two, we, we are fatigued of disappointment. Y'all, can we just stand right now and say 2020 has been a year, right? And we all been saying it has been a year, but y'all, 2021 is coming and it might be another year. During 2020, we, we learned early that we lost a lot of our, our, our heroes, right? Um, we, we, we have lost family members to an untimed death. We have lost friends and loved ones due to our political leanings. We, 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 have, we have become overwhelmed in our isolation. Um, we have become tired of the racial unjust in our country. And some of you are just tired because your kids are driving you crazy. We, we are tired. We are fatigued. Some of us are inside marriages where we want to get out. There's no affection for, for your spouse, and you're barely holding on by, by a thread. We are disappointed. We are fatigued of it. Number three, we create narratives that God never endorsed. You see, our expectations for life might be godly, and they might be even praiseworthy, but God never co-signed on, on our plans. Y'all, it's, it's hard for us to trust God when we're not listening to God. You see, other people's voices, other people's praises are so heavy inside our brains that it's hard for us to hear God speak. We can't hear the Holy Spirit talking to us. You know, a proper submission I think, to the Holy Spirit is not trying to work around God's commands. It is submitting to them. For that to happen, y'all, we have to believe God. But before we move on, um, I just wanted to just challenge you just to consider this. Are you grumbling towards God because he, he didn't co-sign on something that you thought that he should? You know? Maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's kids. For me, myself, there's still much racial injustice going on, and we are still crying out, God, where are you? But y'all, there's a danger here. If we spend all of our time trying to manage the impossible, I mean, manage the possible, we leave, we leave very little room for the impossible. Y'all, we, we need to trust God. Like, I got to keep, keep moving. Uh, n- number four, we lack patience. Y'all, we live in an instant society. We want what we want, when we want it, how we want it at that very moment. 
So, so it's hard to trust a God who often, in our ways, move a little bit slower than what we want him to. We don't want to wait on God, y'all. We, we want to dictate him. And then, then lastly, I think there, another reason why we struggle to trust God is that we don't know God. So how can you trust a person that you don't know? How can we take him at his word if we never read his word? For, for, for you that don't know who Jesus is, I want to implore you and invite you to, to take God at his word. I want to implore you to believe upon Jesus Christ. But, but for those that are in, in the faith, you have a lot of, lot of skepticism about God because you never spent time, spend time trying, trying to know him. I know that the Bible is fast and God's knowledge is, is, is infinite, but do you know just, just the basic things about God? Do you know that God is always loving in his actions? Do you know that God is abundant in his grace? Do you know that God is perfect in his love? Do you know that he is infinite in his wisdom? Do you know that God or do you only know the God that Oprah speaks about? A God who is cold, a God who is, who is impersonal. Y'all, God is a person, a person to be known, a person to be loved. And like any person, if we, if we don't know them, we will always doubt their intentions until we get to know them. You see, I can go on and on and on just talking about all the many ways to how that we don't trust God. But I want to leave this on, on a good note. So I want to talk about how can we trust God. And so um, pulling from, from the text, I want to give us some right prescriptions to how that we can trust God in the uncertainty. Number one. Remember, you are favored by God. God told Elizabeth in, in verse 25, and he told Mary in verse 28 that they were favored. Their situations weren't that, that glamorous. You know, um, to, in fact, because uh, the fact that they were women, they were the least honored inside their society. But they trusted God to what he brought to them. Like Elizabeth and Mary, we need to realize that, that we have the favor of God, and it is upon us because of Christ. You see, because of, because of Christ, Christ called you a child. He chose you while you were yet a sinner. Family, you are favored by God. When we realize that, that God loves us, that he wants us, and that, that we have God's favor upon us, we will no longer have to compete for lesser delights because we know that God is our truest delight. When, when we remember that God has came towards us, um, we, we can freely understand that his grace is unmerited and that he, he imparts his benefits to us on his liberty and upon his goodness. Y'all, remember you are favored by God. Two, find and become a gospel truth teller. Teller. If we're going to learn to trust God, one, we, we need people in our lives reminding us about the goodness of God. Elizabeth was able to speak to Mary and he spoke to her soul that helped her to fulfill God's plan for her life. So, so who is in your life that is godly, that can, that can help you seek guidance and, and support and encouragement um, as you explore your place inside of the world? Who is, who is in your life that where you can encourage and empower in the service to the Lord by naming their gifts and contributions to the kingdom? 
Who are, are, are you that person? Do you have the, those people? I find that those who, who, who tend to struggle with trusting God is, is often when they're isolated from biblical community. But I just want to put a little caveat here. There is a sense where you can be present in biblical community, but be emotionally absent. And, and so are you expressing your fears and your desires and your wants that may not be in line with God's plan so, one, so someone can tell you, hey, let me show you what God wants for your life. Find and become gospel truth tellers. Number three, worship God in spirit and truth. You see, Mary believed God at his word, and it led both her and Elizabeth to worshiping in the spirit. You see, for those that don't know what, what I mean, I mean that worship nurtures our relationship with God. It conditions our heart to hear from God, and it allows us to rejoice in suffering. Why? Because when we worship in the spirit, we're able to set our hearts on God's truths. You see, worship is, is, is a emotive act of praise, giving thanks to God because of what he has done for us in Christ. So within this Advent season to where right now things are, things are a little bit rough right now, we should be like John, be like Mary, be, be like Elizabeth, where there's so much uncertainty, but we can rejoice and leap because a baby that was born in a major in Bethlehem has came to us. Number four, wait for God. Isaiah 40, 31 says this. He says, but, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and never be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Y'all, Elizabeth waited on God. She waited, she waited, she waited. Elizabeth could have died without a child. She could have, but she trusted God anyways. Y'all, God is a faithful God. And right now, many of us, we're waiting on God to cure us of this COVID-19 season. But my question for you is, what are you doing right now to wait on him? So you see, waiting on God doesn't mean we just, just sit back and chill. But, but waiting on God means that we actively pursue him. You see, you see when, when we wait on God, we get more of God. We get more of Jesus. And when we get more of Jesus, we get to be reminded that there is joy, that there is refreshment, that there is peace that comes with God. Wait on God. Y'all, we have to remember in, in our suffering, in our pain, that God is not done with us. He is not finished with us. We have to remember Philippians 1.6. It says, I am sure of this, that those who started a good work um, in you will carry it completion to the days of Christ. God started a good work. He started a good work. He saved you. He redeemed you. He won't wells for you. He wants your life to, to prosper. But not on your terms, but only on his. So I, so I, want, to, I want to close and, and, and implore you that to trust God, you have to know that he knows better and wants better for your life than what you want and know. 
You see, Elizabeth was an example. Elizabeth Mary was an example as to how that we can trust God in the power of the Holy Spirit and the strength of Christ. They trusted him. Unlike Abraham, their great-great-great-grandfather and Sarah's wife, Elizabeth trusted God with her barrenness in her old age. Unlike Hagar, Mary ran to tell her cousin the good news of the gospel instead of running in shame and terror. You see, Mary, Elizabeth, Abraham, Hagar, Sarah all point to one person, and his name is Jesus. You see, Mary gave birth to Jesus, and though she was giving him life, she didn't even know that he was going to save her life. You see, Mary trusted God because God is a faithful God. He can be trusted. He has never failed in his promises. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the, the beginning and the end. He tells us that he has a plan for us. He tells us that he wants us and that he wants well for us. Family, I'm here to testify to you today to trust God because God trusted himself. With that, will you pray with me? Father, we're thankful that we just got examples of people who are fallen and broken just like us, who trusted you despite the unknowing. So, Father, I ask that you would help us to submit our hearts to you. Lord, humble us to realize that we don't have it figured out. Lord, woo us by Jesus' work upon the cross. So, Father, be with us during this Thanksgiving season. Lord, we love you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.